Ring, ring with Renny Revis. Hello and welcome to the show. We've got someone very special with us today. Someone you may or may not know. But don't worry, we'll explain all the inside jokes. Just sit back and enjoy the voyeurism, folks. It's Ring, Ring with Renny Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well. If I allow myself to think selfishly, I'm feeling, dare I say, good? My heart feels less weary, and my pussy feels less grabbed. However, looking outside of myself is like staring down a hallway at the Overlook Hotel. Whichever direction I look, there's something I don't want to see. Okay, the bear costume is intriguing, but I hope we all escape our current horrors, be it via vaccine or baseball bat, in less than 127 takes. Today's guest is my pal Malcolm J. He's currently pursuing a master's in mental health and has worked in the healthcare industry for a decade. I met Malcolm through my friend Amanda Meadows, who you might remember from episode 4. He's great at things my hands are incapable of doing, like completing huge puzzles or knitting dog sweaters. Malcolm has been open about his gender transition, and anything we share today is done so with his approval. You should hear the stuff I've cut from other people's calls. <laughs> Actually, no. Please don't. The next episode would be a call to my lawyer. What's the 411? Here's some info that'll help eavesdroppers better understand our conversation. Malcolm had a Zoom karaoke party, during which I got to hear his lovely, deep-singing voice. Sing some Barry White. It's made washing my dishes a whole lot sexier. When we talk about surgery, we're referring to top surgery, which is a reconstructive chest procedure involving mastectomy. Like all gender-affirming medical intervention, it's important to understand that being trans doesn't always necessitate it. It's a personal choice, and not some kind of requirement in the terms and conditions of the trans club. The crime procedural Law & Order SVU is the longest-running primetime live-action series in television history. Mariska Hargitay is an amazing actress, and the other actors are in it. TERF is an acronym for a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Ugh. Sisterhood doesn't hinge on your cisgender experience, TERFs. It hinges on traveling pants! Hey! <laughs> nice to hear your bass baritone. Me too. <laughs> How you doing? Okay, I am, you know, used to being inside for the most part, I think. Uh, so, <laughs> I pay for my apartment, it's expensive, I want to be there. But I don't like it anymore. <laughs> I am <laughs> very <laughs> over it. Yeah, this sense makes the apartment grow fonder. Yes. <laughs> being stuck there for a year, you kind of get over how much lighting you have. <laughs> or quiet neighbors. I have neighbors that used to be quiet, but uh, not when we're all home. <laughs> oh, well. And I actually moved into this place two months before the lockdown happened. God. Yeah, I was just getting used to the space. I hadn't even fully unpacked or anything. I didn't have, like, a desk to work on, and I was working from oh, home, no. so I was in between, like, my couch. And luckily, we had a dining room table. But, like, I didn't really know the neighborhood yet. It was like, okay, I guess I won't ever know the neighborhood. <laughs> and you live near Koreatown, right? Yes, which is actually been cool I, for delivery. Okay, but I can't think of a more social culture in terms of entertainment and eating. It's always gathering. Yeah, I've actually noticed a lot of people in their backyards and stuff, which is a little cringy, but you know what? I get it. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It's like being separated from your community when that's been like your whole... And even I've started to feel that too. There are certain things where I'm used to being able to be in community with people and not having that over the past year was, yeah. (laughs) Feeling lonely. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, more so than I thought I would because I had always said, I'm an introvert. I'm a hermit. You know, none of those (laughs) things are true as I've not thrived. Yeah, at all. <laughs> well, you were not expecting your introversion to be put to the test past the buzz no. quiz. Past the buzz right. quiz. You were not ready for a year. Exactly. And you have friends in the building. Have you been kind of talking to them from a distance? Yeah, actually, it's really nice. We have a roof, so you can kind of be on either okay. side of it. I have a little dog that I adopted at the start of quarantine, so we able to go on a walk outside with them right. and stuff. So that has been nice, at least. And you have more than one dog. I thought you just had one. No, I just have one. I was fostering dogs. So I had, like, two or three before this guy. And then I actually was just supposed to be fostering him. But oh. The lockdown happened. Yeah, they needed emergency fosters, so I was like, sure, obviously. And then... I was just like, well, why don't I just keep them? Because, you know, why, <laughs> why not? You got a friend in need right yes. there. <laughs> the place where I was fostering it is called the Dog Cafe LA. It's in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. So what they do is like you can go there and they do serve coffee and stuff, but you reserve time. It's like a cat cafe, but with dogs. And so you just mm-hmm. hang out with the dogs. And I'd gone a couple times. Once I got to sit in a pile of puppies, like, how do you not? <laughs> where I was previously, you couldn't have pets. Immediately, as soon as I got here, it was like, I got to get a dog. This guy, he's little and feisty and has a lot of personality <laughs> and has kept me occupied. <laughs> I wish feed dating was like this. If you told me you could just <laughs> make a pile of puppies on you, that is way more appealing. And then you go home with someone. It's kind of the same thing, <laughs> but cuter. It's cute. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does that place also have stand-up comedy? Yeah, as like a struggling thing. I guess I'd rather be barked at than heckled. <laughs> so many puns. I couldn't handle it. It would just be dog puns all night. I feel like that would add to the experience, not take away. So that's totally fine. <laughs> well, I can't stay mad at you, Heckler. He's ruining the show, but look at those eyes. Aw. <laughs> this was my golden moment. NBC was here. There's a talent scout, and this basset hound ruined my chance. But we're in love now. Me and Barry, we have a studio in Koreatown. <laughs> what is your dog's name? His name is Nick Fury. Nick Fury! <laughs> now, is he the Sam Jackson Nick Fury Fury? Of course. I mean, come on. (laughs) He embodies all the angry old black man that Sam Jackson gives him. Sounds like a great roommate. He's a wonderful roommate. Angry Sam Jackson? Wonderful. Look at this nonsense, Nick. Yep. (laughs) Are you also working from home? Yeah. So we started actually a little bit before the official lockdown to work for hospital. And, you know, they were on it looking into numbers in other places. And, you know, so they had already sort of started to make a plan to get us out of there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So since last March, we've been remote 100%. You did the right thing. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. (laughs) During a health disaster, I would follow the cues from the hospitals in terms of remote work (laughs) and not, like, Lyft or... So many other companies I'm seeing where they did a half-ass remote thing. Like, we come into the office half days. Yeah, even places like, you know, your Googles, your Facebooks. Yeah. Where it's like, those people can be at home. 
and do mm-hmm. their job. You should be the ones modeling the system of work from home because you're also mm-hmm. providing the technology that we are using to do so. Like mm-hmm. Amazon, right? Most of the country yeah. runs off of Amazon server system. How would you not then be able to model the system that lets people work from home? Like how are they not the ones who are just like, here's the plan, here's how you make it work because we created it for you. That would like, drive me insane if I were there and knowing that all these people are using my stuff that I'm creating while I'm sitting in this office with a mask on my face. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. All of the people I know that work in IT for hospitals have been home since, like, early. Yeah, years. good. When you said masks, I was thinking Amazon and all these tech places are, like, the bad guy in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Pull the mask off. Amazon, you, you don't care about your workers. You're a grizzled old Bezos billionaire. Absolutely. It was a slumlord the whole time. Now, are you working IT? with the hospital or your degree and children? Yeah, so I'm still working in IT for mm-hmm. hospitals. I don't know if I'm ready. Okay. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, so now it's real that someone's going to sit across from me and tell yeah. me things and then I'm supposed to process those things and help them. Like, you're trusting me to do this thing with these people. But it's like, okay, I learned all this stuff, but now I have to, you know, regurgitate it back to an actual person. Yes. And you've been put down a slide and you shoot out into a world (laughs) where everything is 10 out of 10 high stakes. Yes, exactly. This is not like Brayden's parents are getting a divorce. This is like Brayden's (laughs) grandparents are dead. And he has to babysit his sister while his mom is working while remote right. teaching like at the same time. Yeah. You didn't sign up for that. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> it's like sometimes I want to be like, so I know we're talking about this case study that you guys put together like five or six years ago. But can we just get on, like, <laughs> agoraphobia numbers, like, rising <laughs> in a agoraphobia? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. To be fair, I don't know how anyone could anticipate being able to teach. I mean, people are obviously still going through the normal things that you would go through outside of something like this. But like you said, it's compounded by the fact yeah. that this thing is also happening. You are going yeah. through a divorce and you guys fight. You're going to fight all day, you know? So it's, <laughs> you can't get away from each other. Push to the brink. Right. I really admire the futures I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can't unsee all of the stories that unfold <laughs> in the boxes yeah. where their students are. Like, okay, I can see <laughs> what's going on there. <laughs> are you holding your baby sister? Okay, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's doing the best they can. It's like you're on an airplane. Well, we need a doctor. Uh, no, we don't have any doctors. Uh, nurses. Uh, uh, Boy Scouts. Fine, let's do this. Cauterize the wound. Figure it out. How's your family? Have you been chatting a lot? Yes. Most of my family is in the East Coast and New mm-hmm. Jersey. And then our siblings who are in Portland and in Ellensburg and Washington, respectively. So they're kind of <laughs> close, but not really. Right. Off, it's a lot of FaceTiming. It's a lot of texting, doing group chats, you know, trying to maybe, you know, watch a movie together and play video games with my little brother. So <laughs> it's helped to, like, have the technology. Actually, my mom was able to come out and see me after I had surgery. Good. That was actually really cool. Yeah, because we had this whole plan in place, you know, before pandemic hit. And mm-hmm. her to come out and stay with me while I recovered and, you know, it was like, okay, great, this is wonderful. And then it was like, no one's flying, world shut down. And then 
I was like, do I not mm. have safety? And that didn't seem like it was an option. It wasn't. And I was like, I'm going to no, do it if they let me. Right. So I was trying to figure out how to take care of myself for a while. But yeah, she was able to come out like a week after. So it was actually really great. Wait, but, oh my God. I'm glad she got to stay with you. You must have felt like yeah. you were hit by a bus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's one of those things where like the first week, you're pretty heavily medicated. So I don't really remember. And that was the week when I was alone. I was mostly sleeping. Right. I had the friends in the building, so they would come down and take me for a walk, which is really nice. And I just slept, you know. So by the time she got here was when I actually was more aware of, like, what happened. So it was mm-hmm. good to have her at that point. She could help me around my apartment and, like, yeah. make me sit down and not <laughs> overexert myself. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I'm in a lot of pain, if I have someone else there, I'm in more mm-hmm. pain because I know they're going to ask me about it and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> them worrying about me makes me have more physical pain. <laughs> yeah, I can um, see that. <laughs> but if she was helping you, then that kind of balances out. I love that she's so supportive. It's so sweet. Oh, yeah. I just love to see it. I mean, I was super worried, but I think it was a general, like, this is what happens when you come out, so let me just get mm-hmm. prepared. If I think about it, the worry didn't even really have anything to do with any behavior from her mm-hmm. ever, because she's always just super open. But it was like, this is the narrative that's going to play in my head. It was just going to be like a terrible thing and it just wasn't mm. it wasn't at all it was the way that it should be which is really a sad thing that it's an anomaly yeah it was this thing of okay i have this information now what do you need from me and like that was it that was the end of it and that's right. what it should be yeah from their perspective i can imagine the way they associate you having to change that can fundamentally mm-hmm. be so hard i can understand that having a daughter yeah. knowing you as a daughter for herself i imagine that was a process to mentally change the way she thought of you as her son. Mm-hmm. I admire the hell out of her, and I'm so happy that you had that experience. Yeah. Go, Mom. Right. <laughs> a mother say, I want to give her a card. I'll send her something. Okay. I'm like, who's this from? I don't know. I'll just get a phone call, you know, like, I got this card. <laughs> she gave me a gift card to a store that's not even here. <laughs> Creation juices? What is this? <laughs> and I'm just picturing my mother at <laughs> and being like, what is this? Get me out of here. <laughs> I'll get the one with Lady Gaga. I don't know. Did she make it? Why is she in the picture? <laughs> is she here? What is happening? <laughs> and you grew up in Jersey. Is she still there? Yeah, she actually just moved back. So I was born in Jersey. I lived there until I was about 14. And then we moved to Maryland. Yeah. And I was in Maryland for about 20 years. During your adolescence, finding yourself, you got a big move in your life. Yeah. Were you in Baltimore? No. So we lived in Baltimore County. So it's all Baltimore, but Baltimore City, Baltimore County. So we weren't in this city. Mm-hmm. We were in a suburb, which wasn't too different from where we were. We lived originally from North, which is obviously a, a pretty big city. And then we moved to the suburbs when I was in middle school. Like sort of gotten used to being in the suburbs at that point. Mm-hmm. And by the time we moved to Maryland, it was different because, you know, people don't like to call it the South, but it was the South. <laughs> what was the ethnic makeup there? It was actually pretty mixed. So mm-hmm. it was majority white. There was a larger black population. There's a large Korean American population in Baltimore as well. So we had a lot of kids who were Korean, but it was mostly white black community. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty similar to where I was in middle school. North is not New York, but it's similar in the way of, you know, you don't say hi to strangers. Mm. There's not a lot of small talk. 
And then the accent is just a lot different, obviously. So <laughs> there were many times that people were talking to me. I have no idea what you're saying. I'm going to smile. Wow. You know? <laughs> it was that strong? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard the Baltimore Elves. And then in, like, Baltimore City, there's uh, these videos of it. They say T-U and T-U. And, like, O's turn into U. So I remember one time I was in gym, and this girl was like, oh, my God, you see that dude? Like, and I just remember, like, staring at her. And in my head, I thought she said dove. So I'm looking in the sky. <laughs> and she stared at me like I'm crazy. Fine. I'm looking at the sky. And she's like, no, that did. You see that did? And then I realized she meant a dog. She was pointing to a dog that had run by us. Make right. I can't even do it. Think of it as like if you were saying you to something. Every ew. time there was an O, you would say you. Reminds me of babysitting like two-year-olds. All the sounds they make. Like, ew, 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 ew. I knew some people from Baltimore that told me about the black dialect where people would say, Pescuse me, and I really liked that. I don't know how common that was, but I like the idea of saying, Pescuse me. I don't know that word. I'm wondering what part <laughs> town that's from. I don't know. <laughs> This one story. Yeah. Excuse me just has such great weight to it. It stops the conversation. Excuse me. It would stop me. <laughs> Everybody said turns. <laughs> what? I love dialects. I love that the word Mary, depending on where you're from in the mm. East Coast, every spelling of Mary, you say it differently. Yeah. And I didn't know this until I dated Jim and I realized I say Mary the same way. Merry Christmas. Merry Mother of Christ, <laughs> yeah. all of it. But they'll say Merry Christmas and mm-hmm. Mary, <laughs> Mother of Christ. Yes. Like, oh, to get married. That sounds different. Mm-hmm. Let me think. Uh, Mary, Mary, and Mari. <laughs> Give me my Oscar. <laughs> you did it. Applause for the audience. In Baltimore, it's Murray. Oh, you, got Murray. you have the third one. Murray. <laughs> That's great. Well, I forgot to wish you a Murray Christmas. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bill Murray was there. So is Kevin Keith. Why is the original SNL cast here? (laughs) Well, I loved your karaoke birthday party. Thank you. Thank you for coming. That was so fun. (laughs) Yeah, well, I put a book under my computer and I I moved the chair. It was a big ordeal to come to the party. (laughs) After it was over, I was talking to a friend and I was like, this is probably the perfect party experience. Literally just into the Zoom and go about my business. I didn't have to, like, make anyone leave, clean up anything. This is amazing. Yeah. And you can drink so much more. Exactly. Uh, now I don't have to worry about making sure anyone gets home safe because they are already home. Yeah. Roll over if you need to and go to sleep. The bed is right there. I think parties got a lot safer. Once we had Uber mm-hmm. and Lyft, drunk driving went down. But now, right. these Zoom parties we've had, our blood alcohol level is just on a grand scale so much higher now that we yeah. don't have to go anywhere. And the self-poor, I'm sure, are also adding. Oh, oh the money, of course. <laughs> right. You just pointed out the most obvious perk is there's no um, bottle service <laughs> where you get a white claw and it's $8. Oh, God, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're charging me $5 to open the tab. Is that is it the labor cost? <laughs> Yeah, it's from Ralph's. I can see the Ralph's Club sticker on it. I see the box behind the counter. I hated being a wine drinker and literally paying the price of a bottle for a glass of, like, buttfuck Merlot. What are the cheap ones? Like, CV. 
sounds like a bacterial genital infection. <laughs> BV Cabernet. <laughs> the barefoot one? Is that the one? Yes. That one is so yeah. deep and bad. Yeah. More infection. Barefoot, yeah. you got BV, all exposed to the elements. It all should be like $3. <laughs> <laughs> this one is Menage a Trois. Mm-hmm. They did the right thing. They gave the most exciting name to the most boring one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that's one of the best really cheap ones. But, you know, it could be the name. We're yes, easily exactly. swayed. <laughs> Do I want to think you of someone's think... bare feet or uh, Menage a <laughs> <laughs> The picture I have in my head of my experience while drinking that wine is not the experience that I get. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> the only time I've ever had that wine has been, like, midday at a book club. That's right. But, you know, it's not, like, the label. Oh, <laughs> we're not drinking opium. Right. <laughs> Ambrosia of the Greek gods. Zeus <laughs> is coming by later <laughs> to take care of all of us. Oh, uh, book clubs. That's something that would be so nice to have again. Yeah. What did you read in your book club? Amanda started it. Yeah, like, yeah. moved down here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we would focus on people of color, uh, mm-hmm. women authors. So we tried to make it different genres. We could do fantasy, we did YA, we did just like normal fiction, we did nonfiction. So pretty much anything. So we read some Baby Smith. Yes. We read, uh, yes. We read a book by Zen Cho called Sorcerer of the Crown, wow. which is really good. I loved it because people would give us suggestions, and it was probably something that I wouldn't have found on my own. Also, a lot of times it was just like maybe a half hour of actually talking about the book, and then the rest of the time just hanging out with your friends, yeah. you know, wine and like shooting the shit. Oh, that's so nice. And having mm-hmm. the mental energy to read a book. Exactly. So, I was like, yeah, I'm going to read some black authors. I need some Ta-Nehisi Coates. I need some Zadie Smith. Mm-hmm. And then the only mm-hmm. book I have here that I actually got and I kind of read was White Fragility, which is not by a black author. Well, <laughs> I will try better. When I can read, all I'm doing is reading a few pages and going, ah, I need YouTube now. Yeah, I have to for school, and that takes mm. a ton out of me to even do. So the pleasure of reading is just not a thing that exists to me right now. I have books next to my bed, and I'm like, I'm going to do this tonight. I'm going to read myself to sleep. And then my eyes will cross after, like, a couple of words, <laughs> and I'm like, King of the Hill reruns would also be great. Yay! <laughs> Let's do that instead. Focus is a rough thing right now. I only have enough for Bobby Hill. Mm-hmm. That's it. Bobby won't do wrong by me. <laughs> would you say booby in Baltimore? <laughs> I guess technically it would be Bubby. <laughs> Probably more like Bobby. <laughs> now, are you still studying? I thought you had finished school. Yes, I'm in a master's counseling program. Oh. Got that bachelor's in psychology, and like a month later, I started the master's program. Oh, so, I must yeah, have yeah. known that, and I forgot. But I saw a picture in a graduation <laughs> outfit. Right, right. No, I didn't allow myself to be done. <laughs> so yeah, I have this term, and then one more term. And then in the fall, I start up with actual practical work. Woo! I'm already like, oh. Mm. Oh, wow. Well, you're doing good work. I hope so. Who do you ideally want to work with? Ideally, trans and like gender non-conforming folks. You know, getting to work with like adolescents and adults. As somebody who didn't come out until they were 38, there's a ton of adults who also need therapists. They think a lot of times they would think of trans people going to see a counselor or teenagers or kids. Yeah. But it's not just, you know, teenagers and kids. No. It's older people, too. Just across 
I mean, I'll honestly, very little of it is about the transition itself. It's more about life around it. So I think like mm. being able to go to someone who understands that every time you come in to talk about a problem, it does not have to be tied to being trans. Yeah. You being trans is not the center of your existence. And I think making sure that people have a space to go and just like talk about their other stuff and not having to feel like the thing that they're talking about is being judged from the lens of the fact that they're trans, you know, because yeah. it's like, well, maybe this wouldn't be happening to you if you weren't trans or maybe you wouldn't be dealing with this because you're trans and none of that is true. So right. give that space is super important. That is super important. There's so much compart. Oh, I'm going to say this wrong. Compartmental, compartmentalization. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, putting people in boxes like this is, <laughs> this is the type mm-hmm. of person that this person needs to talk to about this because they are this. Right. Trans exactly. people are all walks of life. When you go to a therapist, Sometimes they have specialties. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you're not going to work on this issue and you're just a person who exists, why can't you just exist and go to therapy? And then later in life, it's just... I mean, we grew up in such an ignorant age of understanding what trans was and the humanity and the reality behind the jokes that we made that were so Mm -hmm. popular and just incredible. How much better it seems... You know more than me. Yeah, it has changed a ton. And it's funny, a lot of the stuff that I've been watching during this for comfort has been stuff that, you know, I watched in the 90s or early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And even in scenarios where you wouldn't even expect for there to be a joke about a trans person, yeah. a joke yeah. about a trans person will show up. And I had to have realized it at the time, but it's so jarring to be watching something oh. and just have that come up out of nowhere. And it's like, why? Why are we doing this? You know? Yeah. And I do wonder where the shift was. I think it's the internet. Mm-hmm. Because even within the last, like, 10 years or so, I watched an old SVU episode from, like, 10 years ago. And they were still saying training on air multiple times. And yeah. that's the special victims unit. That's supposed to be sensitive. Right. <laughs> like, you treat those cases with discretion and respect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is network television, you know? On a weekday, right. this isn't even supposed to be HBO or whatever, yeah. in multiple plays, just throwing this blur around. Oh. That threw me, and I realized we have come very far in certain ways, but not at all in other ways, because there's no way I would expect for that to happen on a television show. Maybe if it was in the context of somebody being attacked, but this is just like people yeah. sitting in an office just having a normal conversation. Oh, so no. I, I definitely wouldn't expect that to happen anymore in television no. But of course, you know, there's still a lot of danger in the real world. No. The information available to people who don't know other trans people or have anyone to talk to about it. Mm-hmm. What an incredible age we live in where someone can go on a forum who yeah. experiences something that a lot of people have that they don't have access to. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely the thing that was going on with me. I knew what being trans was. I knew trans people, but very specifically for me, seems like I did not, well, I didn't. I didn't fit the stereotype of what you told the trans man was. Yeah. Because a lot of that a trans man is just like a super lesbian that just decided that they want to be a man, you know? All of those things are wrong. Yes. Popular publications 
I think mm-hmm. they would choose different words now because I remember like Out Magazine or maybe some other big publication just like, are we losing our butches? Like, are right. we losing our butch dykes to trans? I don't think they would say that now. Not in Out Magazine. No, they still do. But yeah, you have this idea given to you. You know, this is what that is. And you right. are an outlier compared to that because yes. people are not cookie cutter. Exactly. I mean, to the world, I was a cis straight woman. So in what reality would that person actually be a trans man, you know? So, and I was searching for that. Mm -hmm. Like if I had had more access, like you said, to reading forums and stuff, I think very easily I would have quickly found people Mm -hmm. who were like me. Because honestly, I could go on a forum right now and find a mixture of people, you know, trans men who were married to cis men and just decided yeah. to come out and, you know, some of them have supportive partners, some don't. But if you're just told over and over that this thing is what makes you trans, then yeah. you go, okay, well, then I can't be that, so what am I, yeah. you know? And it's a struggle. So I'm sure there's a ton of people like me who are out there and who are like, oh, all along, all these things I felt were actually what I was feeling. Mm. Maybe now it's okay for me to actually be me. Great. I'm sorry it was harder yeah. for you than some others now. Yeah, I mean, when I first came out, I definitely hit a point where there was kind of like a regret viral because it was like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, like all the bad things I thought were going to happen didn't happen and all this stuff. But it's like, I'm also almost 40 years old, able to take care of myself. I Mm -hmm. have my own place. You know, like I was not under the same circumstances as I was when I was 18 and wanting to come out. So I can't compare it. You know, the world wasn't the same. I wasn't the same. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know. So different. Right. I had to check myself. Years ago, I thought, honestly, like, I hate to admit this, but I thought, I'm liberal, I love trans people, and I think it would be easier if they changed their names. And I don't want to say who I'm talking about, but it hurts me because this is someone I'm really close to, and I thought, your life would be so much easier if you chose the name of the gender you were transitioning Mm. to. And I thought Mm -hmm. I was so liberal and, you know, life's going to be easier. But I'm Mm -hmm. taking away their agency with my views. And it didn't occur to me at all. I thought I was so woke. No, that is not woke. Why can't someone keep their name? That is the most personal thing to a lot of people. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes it is. And I'm sorry that I felt that way before and I honestly had to have it explained to me and it's embarrassing Mm -hmm. but I had this idea and I'm glad to have grown from that and continually learn but you know you gotta admit when you were wrong and Mm -hmm. have that population tell you what's what because you're not gonna know they know right you need to be yourself and if you identify with that name that's your name and whatever else about you you know whatever aspect of your life you need to change or keep to be your true self right it's your business nobody should tell you what to do even if they're like well-meaning but discriminatory (laughs) I wasn't gonna change my name at first either yeah i was going to keep my old name and i changed it because it had been kind of like a dream of mine since i was a kid to have this new name and the name that mm. i felt more close to has it always been that name, name? no it changed but i did keep my okay. old name as my middle name because it still was important to me I will say, I feel like a lot of times there's a different reason why you would want to change your name or not change your name 
and it's so personal. Mm-hmm. It also comes down to, is it the name that's like guiding the transition or, mm. you know, are you just transitioning and then the name is something that is just another thing that helps you feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. And if that's not something that you need to help you feel good in your transition, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. All of those things that people are changing about themselves or shifting to, even down to pronouns, are only because this is the thing that makes me feel good. This is the thing that makes me feel comfortable. This is the thing that feels right. Mm-hmm. So there's not like a rule book to how to transition. Yeah. I mean, even how people transition is just not even the right way. Like we medicalize Right. Life. You know, not everybody wants to change their body. Not everybody wants to take hormones. No. You know, because that's not what being a trans person is. And even that is still shifting. Like, I guarantee you that if you polled 10 trans people about the thing that I just said, they would have 10 different responses. Because, yes. it's just, you know, it's just not the same for everyone. So I think that's yeah. the other thing that also has to be kept in mind. And it's okay. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your pronouns, I believe they're he, him, they're male pronouns. Is that correct? Yeah, he, they, most of the time. That has also shifted over time. Okay. I think I have taken the term transition pretty literally in Mm. that who I came into this as is just not at all who I am now. And my understanding of my gender and gender performance and gender expression has totally changed. Mm -hmm. So he, they feels more comfortable. That's great. Yeah, you don't want to feel trapped because you started one way and it doesn't feel right now. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, what's the point of a transition if you can't decide during it that the person Mm -hmm. that you had, at least for me, when I went into it, it was like, okay, all of the fantasy of what I thought it meant to transition was the picture of it mm-hmm. because it was something that I thought about for so long and wanted to do for so long and now I'm finally doing it and this is how it's going to happen and that's not mm-hmm. how it works and so mm-hmm. I had to shift a lot about my expectations and understanding about what transitioning meant and doing that shifted a lot of how I saw myself as a trans mm-hmm. person. Yeah. I do also wonder if being stuck by myself mm-hmm. so much added to or accelerated that process for me because, you know, obviously I'm just having to stare at myself in the mirror a lot and think about it. So A lot of, like, literal reflection and self-reflection. Yep. (laughs) I think it's unfair that there are not more masculine, complimentary adjectives. I think (laughs) I love your voice. I love the way you look. I think you're handsome, but there's not enough words, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I've come up with two masculine adjectives that might work. All right. Crisp and startling. Oh, I like startling. I think you're looking crisp and startling. (laughs) Handsome and crisp and startling. If you've got other words you like, let me know. I'm still really good with being called pretty. Yeah? Hey! I mean, I'm looking wrong with that. After all this non-conforming and self-discovery and accepting all things, I will call you pretty up and down. All right. (laughs) I mean, I'm adding startling to the list. That's a very good one. But yeah. Pretty is really good with me. Who really wouldn't want to be a pretty man? <laughs> like Muhammad Ali kissing his muscles. Like, I'm exactly. So I get it now. I get it. <laughs> okay, Malcolm, I'm going to wind down. All right. I really enjoyed talking to you. And yeah. damn, I wish we could have Korean in your hood. I know. That would be amazing. All I want is to sweat and sing <laughs> with my friends. All I want. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Alrighty. You have a good night, welcome. Right. So you nice too. To talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by That Do. 
the original cast of Saturday Night Live, and Buttfuck Merlot. Please stay on the line for our next episode with Sean Cardamone.